sorry I don't love you A phrase I've grown accustomed to Cause with you is something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Mitchell McDonald. Today we are talking all about the band Saves the Day. We don't do too terribly many music podcasts on here, so I felt like it was time to take a little bit of a break from all of the Marvel podcasts that I've been doing lately and the one bonus Facebook episode, but we're switching it up today. Mitchell, are you excited to be talking about Saves the Day? I thought we were doing Infinity War. What the heck, Deanna? <laughs> that oh, was last I week, Mitchell. So you missed much, out. <laughs> I had so many takes to, to deliver to you. Oh, darn it. Oh, man. I guess, I guess we can talk about Saves the Day if, you, if, if we need to. <laughs> That's fine. They're, they're my favorite band. Um, they're not super active right now. So, like, my favorite active band right now is probably The Wonder Years with that new album. But um, Saves the Day probably is my top band just in terms of their discography and how much I love each and every one of their albums, pretty much. Um, we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, they're they're the best. He's It's mostly now just Chris Connolly that's been the only sole member of the band for the whole time they've been a band. But um, yeah, we, we can do that. Yeah, I honestly did not realize how many members this band had gone through. And there's even like this little chart type timeline on Wikipedia where it just shows Chris Connolly all the way down the timeline. And then it's yep. like staggered for every other person. Yeah, they've had there are like a couple members that were there for for a while and that did like chunks of albums with them and the lineup they've had now they've had for quite a few years, even though they've only put out like one, two records in the past, like 10 ish years. Yeah. They've had for a while, they had like a different like drummer on every album and they had um, different bass players on a lot of the albums for a chunk of time. They had uh, the rhythm section, the drum and bass player from the band Glassjaw, And we could talk about how interesting those albums were. <laughs> But uh, right now, it's it's been it's uh, it's Chris Conley um, has been since the beginning. There was a chunk of time where he just sang, and then there's now he plays guitar. He's played guitar for a while since like um, since I think in Reverie, Say What You Are era, one of those. And uh, now they have Aaron, some other dudes in the band, but, uh, Dave Soloway was uh, the main guitar player for most of their career. Um, and then, yeah, they've had a assortment of other members, but I like their lineup now. Uh, they have a great lineup now, but yeah, it's mostly just the Chris Connolly show as far as anyone's concerned. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, we're just going to go ahead and go through these albums chronologically here because there's definitely more to say about others and not quite as much to say probably about this first one here, which is Can't Slow Down. And this was released on Equal Vision Records in right. 1998. And it was mel melodic hardcore, which is not a sure. genre I really ever listen to. I Anything with the word melodic in it and <laughs> core in it, I kind of don't don't listen to that You're quite like, as much. Yeah, <laughs> Um, Cancel Down is very much just a very fast uh, skate punky. They they've said in interviews that like when they made that album, they were just kind of deliberately ripping off the band Lifetime, 
which is like kind of a hardcore band. Um, but like that Chris was like obsessed with um, the members of Lifetime and they would like follow them around and be like, hey, we made this band. And um, yeah, uh, I know a lot of people like it. It has its moments for me. I really like the opener and the closer on that one. Like uh, Jody is a really good song and I think they still play that one live. That's the closer. But um, yeah, for me, it's... Um, I'll talk about like my ranking of them a little bit. It's probably going to be my bottom record just in terms of how much I listen to it, how much, how important it is to me. Like it's, it's got, it's like a fun listen, but it doesn't have really the weight of a lot of their other releases, even just the, like for me, the, the jump from this one to their next record through being cool, which is my probably my favorite album of all time. Definitely my favorite, favorite saves the day record is like huge like this record is just very like run-of-the-mill kind of skate punky kind of like mxpx or like any of the, like kind of like Lagwagon or any of those like fast bands that were out in like the mid 90s it's just very much sounds like that yeah and you can tell just based on the song length that <laughs> it went by very quickly like they have a song that's one minute and one second so <laughs> it's like they had very short quick songs aside from pretty much Jody, which ran over four minutes, which was probably a very weird change of pace there. Yeah, that that's like one of the few songs that actually is like, like kind of catchy and poppy for them on that one. The rest of them are just kind of, you know, going through the motions a little bit. But I mean, I think for a lot of bands, I think this applies to a lot of bands that you kind of start, you kind of have to start off kind of just ripping off what you like. I think, and then kind of go from there and then change it and like kind of find your footing. I think a lot of bands' first albums, you could say, are very much just, oh, they're ripping off this other band that was popular, or you can very much see the progression um, for them. So I I think it's a fine record. I think a lot of people like it. And that's that's all about all I have to say on it. <laughs> yeah. And through being cool is their sophomore record which might be one of the best sophomore releases because a lot of people will talk about the sophomore slump and everything and while that might not necessarily be true of every single artist for mm -hmm. saves the day through being cool seemed to be the record that really gave them this launching pad for their career i don't know how big it was i i'll be honest with you i got into saves the day in like 2009 2010 era like sophomore year of high school I had this one friend that like showed me all these pop punk bands and that was really when I got into like this alternative music before that I mostly just listened to like alt rock <laughs> like <laughs> my favorite band was Arctic Monkeys um but um yeah I, it's uh definitely a hugely influential album I don't know if it was like massive when it came out but for a lot of bands it was super influential and i think it has really stood the test of time a couple of years ago they did a 15 year anniversary tour for it with say anything that was really really amazing they played like the whole album and like other songs from that era and it was just so cool i think i went to it two or three times i know some of my friends went to it like three or four times um but uh yeah it's just front to back uh, just every song just crushes it for me. Yeah, this was one of those albums. I probably got into the band a little later than you did. I want to say mm -hmm. it was more like when I started going to Drexel in 2011. That sounds mm -hmm. about right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And 
I remember when I was living off campus, sometimes on a nice sunny day, I would just put this album on while I was walking around and it was a very pleasant listening experience. And I think, you know, even though this album might not have been super successful when it first came out, it mm-hmm. really cemented the direction they were going yeah. in with their sound and everything like that. So I think that's why this one really stands out too. And like you said, it it's still very influential and popular within this music scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just the songs on it, I feel like are really timeless, like something like shoulder to the wheel, like it comes on in my car all the time. And I'm just like, and it's just, you can't, you can't skip it. You have to listen because it's so catchy and so good. And it's uh, a lot of the songs on it are like that. Like Hollyhocks is another good one. Um, it, the last two songs on it, through being cool and banned from the back porch, are also two of my favorite songs. And it's just like I don't know. The lyrics are really kind of just about hanging out and going on tour for the first time and sort of starting to see the world and starting to explore and get a grip on things when you've never really been outside your shell before. And I think that it's like a youthful album. And I think that that kind of sticks with me as like, it kind of reminds me of like when you're, when I was in high school and doing things for the first time and hanging out with your friends. And one of my friends, uh, he used to be in some touring bands and he said that they would listen to this album just on repeat constantly. And he calls it the best driving record of all time, like the best record for long drives. Um, it kind of has like a very good flow. It kind of, every song is just kind of, like goes into the next one. I don't know. I, I I love it so much. I can listen to it every day of my life. I do listen to it quite a bit still. Yeah. I'd say this is probably the Saves the Day album that I have listened to the most, if you just consider whenever I started listen to, listening to them. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else you have to say about this album, or do you want to go ahead and move on here? This is the... So the... The record after this, like, definitely has a shift. I think, I'll I'll say this, I think every Saves the Day record has a pretty, like, you could trace the shift in tone. Like, the first record is very um, melodic-y hardcore, it's, like, very skate-punky, it's very fast. This record is, that it has elements of that still, but they did make it poppier, they made catchier songs, they diversified the sound. There are some slower songs, some kind of grungier songs on it. And then um, we can talk about like how music, how like tonally their records will shift as we go forward. But um, I think this record, a lot of people will argue between this record and the next record, Stay What You Are, as like the Saves the Day album. But for me, it's always going to be this one. Um, And yeah, I think I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. So Stay What You Are is their first album in the 2000s. It came out July of 2001. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, this was right after the band had been in a van accident. Right. So I think a lot of that shapes some of this album too, because, you know, you mentioned this Daybreak documentary to me, which I'll have in the show notes for everyone to check out. And it's about 20 minutes or so. And Chris Mm -hmm. goes through and explains a lot of just what he went through throughout the entire time he was in the he's been in the band so right it's 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 really good yeah it's really informative I think it has a very honest look back on like their discography and like he's like oh when I wrote this record I was here and when I wrote this next record I was here and this is what this sounds like and um sorry if I hijacked it but um totally yeah (laughs) this uh this record 
came out they were when they were touring on through being cool they were in a pretty gnarly van accident that luckily none of them died i don't think but uh i know that they were all pretty shaken up and chris is a very uh he's a very uh like emotional like a very he feels things very much like that's kind of how they've been labeled as like an emo band is he is a very like his lyrics are very um they they ref, they ref, they find ways of reflecting how he feels at any given right. times so you can very much tell the headspace he was in when he wrote any given record because it's very prominent whether it's through the lyrics or through the music um for me this record is kind of broken up into two halves the first half of it which is tracks like 1 through 5 are super catchy and super kind of triumphant and poppy like obviously there's at your funeral which is their biggest song which is what probably the song that they're most known for like if you don't play the song at the show i'm going to be pissed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but then you have see you cars and calories a uh, certain tragedy these are all like really like bright poppy songs and then you get to track six which is freakish which is a terrific song um but that's kind of where for me the album shifts into this um it's kind of like the first half is like during the day and then freakish is like the sunset and then um tracks seven through 11 are like nighttime that's kind of how i look at this record because the first half of it is so catchy and poppy and then the second record the second half of the record is really a lot more like kind of melancholy and dark and you have song like even if you just look at the song titles like as your ghost takes flight right nightingale all i'm losing is me firefly like these are like kind of more emotional kind of more um more thoughtful songs except for firefly is like a like kind of like a barn burner it's kind of a lot like more aggressive it's probably the most aggressive song on the album that ends it uh i want to say that saves the day um always do really good openers and closers i think i don't know if that's yeah. something you mentioned but for me like on the on the last record, All Star Me is like kind of half an intro song, but half like a really good opener because it goes straight into um, You Vandal, which is sick. And then the closer is Band from the Back Porch, which is a really uh, fast song that I really like. And even on uh, Can't Slow Down, the opener deciding is one of my favorite songs. They do a really good acoustic version of it later. And uh, Jody is already like I, we already talked about Jody as being one of the catchier songs on that record so and then here at your funeral and firefly are like easily two of the best songs they on the record and two of the best songs i think they've ever written yeah i was going to say that at your funeral is probably the best opener they have throughout all of these studio studio albums because it's just such a powerful song too it's like mm -hmm. oh wow okay they potentially almost died <laughs> yeah and now they're he's kind of coming at it like well, we didn't die, but if we did, here's what would happen. <laughs> There's a lot of that in their future records, too. I would say definitely um, at your funeral or maybe, and hear me out here, Daybreak on Daybreak, which okay. is this crazy five-part suite of songs that we'll get to later. It's like 11 minutes long, but I'd say like those two. For, and All Star Me, like in third place, um, are their best openers. But yeah, I think as we go through their records, we're going to see that they do always like put a lot of thought into like structuring their records so that they have a very strong opener and a very strong closer. Yeah. So that brings us to 
in Reverie, which mm. came out in 2003. And I do want to note real quick, though, that Stay What You Are came out on Vagrant, and they mm-hmm. switched labels yet again for In Reverie. Mm-hmm. This came out on DreamWorks, which is not mm-hmm. the animation company. So I, <laughs> I don't really know what's going on with that. <laughs> There's a big story behind <laughs> In Reverie, very much. So basically, if we're charting them as a band, uh, they start with Cancel Down. That kind of gets them established. They're touring with a lot of hardcore bands. They're touring with a lot of random bands. Um, then through being cool, kind of doing the same thing, kind of getting more exposure, starting to tour with more of like the emo wave that's like happening. And then you get to Stay What You Are. And people are like, oh, this band is good. This band could be huge. This band has potential. Like, I think that At Your Funeral got like MTV play or like radio play or it was it was like a minor hit, I think. And so uh, that was when they were in Vagrant. So then I guess DreamWorks was like a subsidiary of another bigger major label, I think. At the time, it was like a but. All I know is that they were primed for like a big like jump with this record and that's what they thought they were going to have. So they kind of made like this. It's in Reverie musically is very is very different. Like you could say that the first three records were all kind of similar, but this one is very much a jump musically into a very I call it their Beatlesy period. I call it it's very kind of like spacey and the production is much different. It's like a weird poppy indie rock record with like all these harmonies and these weird jazz chords. And like, it's very different. I know that. So, so not only that, but um, directly after they were like a couple days, he said in the documentary after they released it, um, the label that they were on dissolved. It was gone. Yeah. I think they ended up selling to Universal too, which is probably the cause of a lot of problems. And what label hasn't sold to like Universal or whatever the other big two are now? I can't, I can't seem to keep track of all these labels. It's like three of them own all the other labels except for the indies, basically. Yeah, all I know is that it means that this record can't get pressed on vinyl, and that pisses me off because I, it's, I only need this and cancel it down um, <laughs> for my collection. But and uh, so, anyways. Uh, so they get dropped from their label when they think that they were on the peak, like they're about to like make a huge jump as a band, they get dropped from their label. Um, and to not only to add insult to injury, everyone kind of, when this record comes out, hates this record. Like no one really likes it. And everyone's like, why aren't you playing punk? Like, what is this? Like it, it just had a very negative reception when it came out because it was very different. And because it didn't quite get the push that I think they kind of thought they were going to get here. So um, as a record, I started out like when I first got into Saves the Day, it was obviously uh, with Through Being Cool and See What You Are. I was like, holy shit, this band is incredible. I love this. And then you listen to this record and you're like, oh, what's going on here? This is a little too weird for me. So at first, I really didn't like this record. And I think that's how a lot of people felt about it. But you know, as I've grown up and gotten older and listened to it more, I think I like it more every time I listen to it. I think it is a terrific record. I think it's very weird and out there lyrically. I think that as a whole, it has a very cohesive sound, which is impressive for such a big jump for them. And I think it has some great songs that should be in their live set, like any, the opener Anywhere With You is pretty much the only song I think they play from it a lot. Yeah. But um, 
and again, here we go with the opener and the closer. Uh, Tomorrow Too Late is <laughs> the closer on this, and I, it's absolutely one of my favorite Saves the Day songs. Like, I think it came, I haven't listened to the record in a long time, and that song came out on Shuffer, and I was like, holy shit, where was this? Like, it's at the end of the record, so you don't know. But I remember just, I didn't hear it in the context, and I was like, what the, f- where, what? This band keeps giving me, Oh, they just, they just keep, they keep giving and giving. So, uh, yeah, uh, every time I, I really like this record now and I listen to it a lot and it's a very rewarding listen, I think after time, once you kind of grow, grow up from their younger sound that this record can kind of reward you. Have you listened to it very much? I have listened to it before and I'm super familiar with Anywhere With You because like you said, that's <laughs> kind of the one they always play. But it's one I <laughs> haven't listened to quite as much as the other records that I enjoy. And <laughs> like I said, there are two I haven't listened to, one being Can't Slow Down and then Under the Boards, which we'll talk about later. I might have listened to that <laughs> once or twice and maybe I just don't remember it. But mm-hmm. when I was getting ready to talk about this, you know, the, the big three albums that I listened to were Through Being Cool, Sound the Alarm, and Daybreak. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, those plus Stay What You Are might be in some sort of order my top four for the band and as far as what I enjoy. But we, we can do rankings later. I'm kind of working my way mm-hmm. through them now as we talk about the records because I was like, okay, I have my top one and the bottom two. So... yeah um but yeah this this one has definitely maybe started out at the bottom but has kind of crept its way up towards getting towards the top of my my ranking of the records i think it's just a very misunderstood record i think that people i I don't know it's it's weird when you go back and look at bands discographies and see see what worked and what didn't work and kind of look at it with hindsight and be like actually this record was really good or actually this record was terrible but I don't think Saves really has. I, I really enjoy all their records, um, right. some more than others. But this one has very, been very rewarding to me um, as I've as I've grown up. Um, I also want to drop in right here that they had a really good. Um, I think before, right before this record, on also on Vagrant, they had a really good um, B sides record that has my favorite Saves the Day song on it called "Some I'll Close I'm Off to Heaven." And it also has a song called Dragon D Flat, which are two songs they regularly play live, but they're kind of hard to find. But uh, yeah, that and this, uh, the B-Sides comp has like a ton of really rough demos and some acoustic stuff. But yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to that if we're covering their whole discography. (laughs) Yeah, and they do have some EPs and stuff too. And we can talk about those in a bit because honestly, I don't think I've really checked any of those out. I've definitely been more of an album person as far as this band goes and you know up next we have sound the alarm which came out in 2006 and they moved back to vagrant for this release and you can tell because the the sound changes again and i think Mm -hmm. you know this might be one of the angrier albums i guess you could say and it moves very quickly when you're listening to it you're just like oh wow Mm -hmm. okay here we go (laughs) Yeah, it's very much a pummeling record, as I would describe it, because you've got uh, Head for the Hills, which goes into the end, which is just like, and then just a lot of these songs are just like, you look at these song titles like The End, Shattered, Eulogy, Dying Day, Diseased, uh, Delusional. And it's so what hap- basically what happened is when Saves the Day got dropped and when they had that uh, negative reaction to their to in reverie it kind of 
it kind of destroyed Chris. Like he, I think he just spiraled really hard into just a very angry, sad place. Um, I think in that era, that was when he was rocking pink hair. Um, yeah, I think he had, so. He dyed his hair pink. Yeah, you always see some of those pictures and you're like, woo. Um, <laughs> Where'd you yeah, go, so buddy? He was in a, yeah, he was in a very dark place when he wrote this album. If you couldn't tell, it's very obvious. It's very obvious that he was very, very angry. Um, and uh, yeah, this this album really pulls no punches. It's just like, I think for a lot of people, it's hard to listen to because it just is, every song is just like, ah, I'm so angry. Ah, why did this happen? Why does anything matter? Like, just like a fury, just a very a guy who can channel his emotions just doing exactly that for like half an hour just beating it into you and i think despite that it is one of my favorite records of those i think it's a very underrated album as well um just i know a lot of people are like this is too much even though it's kind of going back to like their punk sound and it's like more of a more aggressive darker sound than really they've had before just because it's like it kind of rocks harder than a lot of their other records just because it is like fueled by such like fiery rage. Um, but it's the, so with this album, Chris was like, okay, so I'm going to make, I'm feeling so much right now that I'm going to make this trilogy of albums that is going to be this and the next two albums. So you've got sound the alarm, then you've got under the boards and then you've got daybreak. Um, sound the alarm is very much like, it's like the anger, the, 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 the rage that you get. And um, the next one is more about like the sadness at the reflection, like the remorse, like depression, like this one's anger, that one's depression. And then Daybreak is like acceptance and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll get more into the next two um, when we get to them. But uh, I think it was really as you go through their discography, you can really see like the ride that he went on, like the the ups and downs to borrow a name from one of their other albums. Um, uh, for him emotionally in this band's career. And I really like that. I like that they have, you can like chart the story. You can, I, I like that you can see, oh, this is very much what he was feeling and he wrote it down on paper and then they made a record out of it every time. Yeah, and even though this album has this intensity to it, there are still some really catchy songs on here. I was <laughs> sitting here listening to it yesterday and I was like, oh, wow, this is very catchy for being very angry. <laughs> Yeah, like Dying Day is super, super catchy. Yeah. Even though it's like about being alone and dying. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, this album has a, a couple of my favorite songs. Uh, Don't Know Why is like a very, very longing, sad song. Like it's one of the few moments in the record that it kind of takes a break from from rocking super hard and kind of just kind of waxes poetic about like the nature of existence and stuff. Um, and then there's another song late, very late in the track list called bones, which is a very strange song that like starts off as one thing and then goes into like a weird time signature change and then goes into like a super fast punk beat part. And I think it's the last, I think it's the last time that saves the day uses a punk beat on their albums. I'm not sure there might be, a tiny bit of it on Daybreak. I'm not sure. I think it's like one of the last times that Saves the Day actually has like the funk beat on the record and that song kicks so much ass. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and have you talk more about Under the Boards? Because like I said, I, I haven't really any memory of listening to this one. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at the track listing here. I'm like, okay, 
what song titles sound sound familiar to me and <laughs> none of them are really clicking for me mm, um can't stay the same and get fucked up are definitely two songs that are in their live set uh get fucked up is track four and i remember for a while they they played warp tour a handful of years ago and every day they would do a completely different set which is so sick um but a couple of the days they did like the they turned that song into this like ridiculous bongo jam where like members of random other bands would like come on stage and they'd play it for like 10 minutes and people in the crowd were like what the fuck they only have 30 minutes why are they doing this but uh chris is a weird guy and he likes to do weird stuff like that but um yeah uh under the boards is a very challenging record for me uh it's kind of near I would say I don't love it as much as a lot of their other records just because it is very it's it's hard it's a challenging record it's hard to listen to it has some very catchy and poppy stuff on it but it also has some of their heaviest most whiny uh stuff especially the end of this record really takes a turn into very dark places and there's a song called woe and like the the chorus is like i'll live life alone in love with pain and it's just like this is also when uh glass the glass jaw members were in the band for uh this record and the previous record so you get a lot of really crazy uh rhythm section stuff going on here and a lot of really experience especially on this album like the sound the alarm i think is a very cohesive record like it it starts and you know exactly what you're getting for pretty much the next half hour is just like a, a an angry just hyper aggressive uh saves the day record and this song you kind of, or in this record you get like can't stay the same which is like a huge catchy excellent song and then you also get like really sad songs you also get um really heavy songs like that or the closer um you get just a lot of interesting stuff this record is a very mixed bag has like those two songs I mentioned are really good. I also like there's another really fast song on here called Because You Are No Other. It's really good. Kaleidoscope is really good. But uh, then there's like there's a song on here that I think it's Getaway track nine that has like this goofy like 90s like there's like a bridge and then there's they're doing like ooga cha ooga cha ooga cha <laughs> over this like driving rhythm and it always throws me every time I hear it I'm like what the fuck is this like <laughs> if you give this record a listen it's kind of buried in the middle there but you'll be like what the fuck <laughs> but uh yeah I I think a lot of people really like this record I think it has its moments but uh it's a very it's a very weird record for me, I, uh, I this is kind of when I came into listening to the band. So um, this was the era that I like started listening to them, and I was like, "Oh, what happened?" <laughs> but then I heard the story, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess this makes sense." But uh, yeah, that's that's about all I have to say on Under the Boards. It's not my favorite, but it also is one that I've kind of come around to the later it's gotten, just because it does really have like the highs are pretty high, and then the lows are obviously pretty low on it. Yeah, and Daybreak, you mentioned, is the third album in sort of this trilogy that Chris was working on. But the thing is, it came out four years after mm -hmm. Under the Boards did. And Sound the Alarm and Under the Boards came out back-to-back -back years, which is the first mm -hmm. time they had done back-to-back -back releases since 
Can't Slow Down and Through Being Cool came out back and to back years. And a lot to say. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, just feeling a lot of stuff, man. It takes a, it takes time. They had this nice four year break there and switch labels again. So Daybreak came out on Razor and Tie, and they're the ones who did the documentary. It came out in 2011 as well. And mm-hmm. you know, like I said, this was around the time I had heard about the band and started getting into them. And even though I did go back and probably start with Through Being Cool, it's like, okay, this Mm -hmm. was the new release that people were talking about. And because it had Mm -hmm. been such a long break for them, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people weren't really knowing what to expect from the band. And Mm -hmm. like you said, the opener, which is the title track, is this five-part song that runs for almost 11 minutes. It's kind of like when you have Jesus of Suburbia in American Idiot or something, and it's like a nine, ten-minute song. But you can sense these different acts within the song happening as you listen to it. So really, could they have made it five different, like, two-minute songs? Probably, but it doesn't really matter because it would have been in the same order anyway, and you wouldn't have noticed. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like a like a um, Abbey Roadish kind of Jesus of Suburbia, like a rock opera kind of thing. I love. I I think I I love this record a lot. I think a lot of people when it came out were already kind of burnt out on this band, and they were like, well, "What the fuck is this?" Because <laughs> again, they have these dramatic musical shifts with every record, and this record is kind of I call it like their jazz record almost. It's very. It's got a lot of like kind of like ambient beats in it or like different uh guitar weird guitar tones and but for me it's just kind of like very much a vibe this record um and it's about him like finding the light in his life again it's about him like turning to like his family and like fatherhood to because during those last record i think during the like the sound the alarm era they went through quite a few members like i think a lot of that was when they lost a lot of the original members that's why the glass jaw guys joined up right um then this record is kind of him finding he so he got i think aaron join aaron joins in uh the under the board era under the boards there, I think. And then, um, or maybe it's for this record, but around now and uh, now, and then they find uh, their new bass player and they get their new drummer and they're like, okay, ready to go. We're ready to do this again. And uh, I remember seeing them on tour a couple of times around when this came out and it was awesome. That was, I think around the time where, no, they did war tour with the self, the next record, the self-titled record. Um, but yeah, for me, this record kind of had everything they try to do on it pretty much works. Like the opener is great. There's also a bunch of just really good rock songs on it. Like 1984 is great. Deranged and Desperate's great. You have all these kind of experimental songs that start with, um, different letters, E, Z, U, and O, um, that are all kind of interesting, weird guitar-driven songs that I really like. And then there's The Closer, which is Undress Me, which is an incredible, incredible song. Yeah, I really enjoyed this record. And it's a total coincidence that it came out right around the time I was hearing about the band and everything like that. So mm-hmm. to be able to go back and listen to something like Through Being Cool and then have this be the most recent record out for them that was a pretty cool experience and Mm -hmm. you know I didn't have to sit through that four-year wait either (laughs) so it's one of those things where sometimes being late to a band is nice because then you can just take it all in at once and they've only had 
one studio album since this release. So, right. you know, I yeah. had a lot to go back and listen to. And clearly, I didn't even s- still go back and listen to everything. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, they definitely have a core set of albums that a lot of people seem to return to year after year. And I think Daybreak is now another one of those albums for a lot of people. I hope so, because it's so good. It's a lot of people, I don't think, had patience for this band doing the trilogy because that's like a big undertaking. And it usually doesn't go well when bands are like, we're making three albums. People are like, oh, no. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think they really like they were in that under the boards era for such a long time, like for four years to be on that record, which is what again, one of their most challenging records, I think, was pretty rough for them. But then they've kind of since then with this album and then with uh, this the self title, they've kind of come back with like a solid lineup and they tour like once a year, once every other year. Um, they don't tour too much, but they still are around. And uh, it's they're kind of have like this is the band going forward. Um, but yeah, if, I, I think this record is tremendous. I think everyone should check it out. It, it's probably the one that you haven't listened to if you, if you're only like a novice saves the day fan. And I think it's really rewarding. Listen. Yeah. So their final studio album for now, at least is their mm-hmm. self-titled saves the day. And that came mm-hmm. out in 2013. So it's been quite a while since this came out. And I do remember when this came out and, you know, it was one of those things where, a self-titled album is kind of a big deal. And we saw this with Paramore when they released their self-titled as, I believe, their fourth album. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people will have that be their first or second album. And mm-hmm. I've been seeing more and more bands do it later in their careers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's like some s- superstitious thing or what, but anytime bands release a self-titled late in their career, especially like Yellow Card did, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, what's going on? What's happening? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the one they're going to go out on. Um, then it's possible. So the self-titled record, it's very, you see that the cover and you kind of already know what you're dealing with. It's this piercing like grapefruit. It's, at half of, <laughs> it's a grapefruit that's been cut in half. And the whole album is the color of the grapefruit, like that ruby red color. And it's really just like a sunny, happy pop album. It's real. It's like got some rockin' parts. It's got some catchy parts. It's uh, very much, it's a lot lighter. Like you can feel the weight of that trilogy has been lifted from him. So he's just kind of free to write like these less, I would say, like for me, it's, it, it doesn't hit me in the way the other records do. It's still very catchy and like you can throw it on when you're driving and it's nice to come back to once in a while or some of the songs come up in playlists like, okay. But for me, it's not, it's not one of my favorite records from them. I think musically it's pretty good. It's kind of, it's a little bit safer, but it's uh, just, I don't know, just the, the, the songwriting doesn't quite, it, it it doesn't have the memorability or like the impact that a lot of their other records have had for me. And I also don't think it's very deep of a record. Whereas Daybreak is like super deep. Like this one, I, I feel like it's kind of a shallow record. Like there are songs on it that I really like. Like I, I love the first two songs and the last two songs on this record, I think are great. But the middle of it, there's just songs that there's like this one song uh, xenophobic blind left hook that's very annoying to me it's just like this very repetitive uh guitar scratch 
uh, tone that I, I can't I can't get with. But so so part of me wonders if this is going to be like their their last record. Like if he's he's like a dad now. He loves being a dad. Clearly, if this is going to be their last record. And because when band like like you said, when a band does like a self-titled record late in their career, you start to wonder what's going on, you know? Right. And I kind of hope that they do make another record just because I'd like to I, I want to see what. Cause so they're so this record is them coming out like they're they're out of the trilogy they're gonna make a happy pop record where do you go from there you know like I want to know like what the next step would be like is it sad again is it looking towards the future is it more poppy is it I I I, I want to know so yeah that's that's about all I have to say on this record um, again I think the opener remember and closer stand the stars which is like stand the stars it, I don't know if you've heard it or not but it's like a very like cutesy tropical kind of sounding song like a very chill uh song <laughs> that's really nice it's very pleasant very very nice capper to the album it goes out in a very sweet note um but uh but yeah i'm 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 hoping they'll i've, I've heard rumors that they're gonna do like a, I, i've heard rumors that they might do like a farewell tour this year which would be a huge bummer for me i really hope that's not the case but uh i guess we'll see yeah, this is one I definitely listened to it when it came out, but it wasn't one that I really felt like I kept wanting to revisit, like through being cool or daybreak or anything like that. So, you know, I think it's definitely going to be in the bottom half of my list here. And I've been, you know, kind of ordering them as we go here since I know mm -hmm. you like doing rankings and I am never prepared what? for Who, them. Me? Who, me? Rank something? What? Oomst would do that uh yeah i i love ranking stuff all art <laughs> meant to be put in a list that i how much i care about it so yeah <laughs> and you mentioned ups and downs so we'll just quickly go through some of their other albums here because ups and downs is a compilation album like you said of early recordings and b-sides you have yeah the bug sessions which oh, that God. was released in three eps i have never listened mm -hmm. to those is that a smart oh, they're move so on my part? Good. oh they're good okay bug sessions so there's three seven song mini albums. Um, the first one is studio. The second two are live. They're all acoustic. See, if I had known they were acoustic and if I even knew this existed in the first place, I would have been all over it because I love oh, acoustic renditions of songs. So I, I have oh, homework to do now. Yeah, they're <laughs> so good. Um, and like there's a bunch of songs on it on it that he like kind of rearranges, kind of changes a little bit that to make them work like um deciding the opener from cancel down is one of them and i really love the acoustic rendition of it um yeah i love i love bug sessions it's one of my like in addition to like in reverie like if they ever pressed bug sh bug sessions on vinyl it's like one of the things i'd want the most that hasn't been pressed yet we could also talk about two tongues i guess do you do you see that do you know what that is? do you know what that is have you listened yeah, to that the record? the new project that he has or semi new it's not super yeah new. <laughs> it's not so basically two tongues is him and i think dave who was also in the band at the time partnered with uh, max bemis and uh, kobe linder from say anything to make the two tongues record and it came out around the have you listened to the first one have you listened to either of them? I think I did when they came out, but I honestly don't remember a whole lot about them. Yeah. Um, the first record came out like during that, like sound the alarm. 
under the boards era and i love it i think it's super like it's just like a rock record it's just like a goofy weird rock record where they kind of trade off vocals it kind of sounds like a combination of like the more aggressive uh saves the day with like some of like I think it was in defense of the genre era, uh, say anything. And I, I think the, that that first record is like would be like sitting in like the middle of my ranking of Saves the Day albums, which means I love it a lot. Um, and then they made a second record a couple years ago. Yeah. And it was just two tongues, two, right? <laughs> two tongues, two, too many tongues. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's just called uh, two. OK. And it's not good. <laughs> it was right after, right around when Say Anything put out this really bad album called I I Don't Think It Is. It has like a dude's mouth on it. Do you remember that? They like surprise released it. Do you remember that record? I think so. But I've also never really listened to Say Anything all that much. Okay. It's like, so I know Is A Real Boy is a thing. And that's that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, these bands are like really close friends. Like when they did the Through Being Cool tour, it was partnered with the Is A Real Boy tour. So you got to see both those albums, which was sick. Um, and um, so Two Tongues 2, everyone, they kept talking about it for like years and years. Like, we're going to make another Two Tongues record. And I was like excited because I liked the first one. And then this came out and it was right after Say Anything put out this very hard to listen to, garage rocky, really low production like album that they surprise released and this kind of sounds too much like that record for me like I can't deal with it like the first song on this sounds like that one kid rock song and I've maybe made it through this record once or twice I really don't like it but the first one I love and so um so yeah that's two tongues one time i saw um they did a tour that was like my three of my favorite bands at the time it was motion city soundtrack and then um say anything and then saves the day and valencia and during the say anything set they did one or two two tongue songs and it was sick because so max Max was on stage. Kenny from the starting line was playing bass for them. And so then Chris would come out and they would be, they did like, I think the first song on uh, Two Tongues, which is called Crawl, which was so sick to see those three on stage doing a song at the same time was awesome. Uh, (laughs) I just always remember that tour as being like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, are you ready to go into our rankings here? Sure. You can go first. Okay. They probably are going to be similar, I'm thinking. I think so. So just based on what I've listened to the most and enjoyed Mm -hmm. the most, I have Through Being Cool, Stay -hmm. What You Are, Mm -hmm. Daybreak, Mm -hmm. Sound the Alarm, Mm -hmm. In Reverie, Mm -hmm. Saves the Day. And then because Mm -hmm. I haven't listened to them, Under the Boards Mm -hmm. and Can't Slow Down are tied at the bottom, basically. That's a good ranking because mine is almost the same. Uh, Obviously, Through Being Cool is number one. I already touched on that. I go back and forth between Stay What You Are and Sound the Alarm, and I know that sounds crazy for a lot of people, but I don't know. Uh, Sound the Alarm is kind of more like, I like to listen to like like a lot of my other fans, favorite bands are like faster bands, like Such Gold, Propagandi, Wilhelm Scream, Flatliners, and I don't know. So I like to listen to that kind of sound more, so that's kind of why I rank Sound the Alarm higher. Um, but so it would probably just be like, stay what you are eking, eking its way over sound the alarm. And then, uh, daybreak would definitely be a strong number four. 
then in Reverie, kind of crept back over the other albums, then Under the Boards, then the self-titled record, and then Cancel Down at the Bottom. Just, I think that's pretty much my definitive ranking of these records. If I had to put two tongues in, the first two tongues in there, I'd probably put it in the middle, like right around in Reverie. And then if I had to put the second one, I'd probably put it at the bottom under Cancel Down. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I like honestly... All, all of these records are are great. Like I, I, I love them so much. Like I have no problem calling this band my favorite band. I can't think of a band that really even challenges them because I don't know. I've stopped. I, I used to listen. Motion City used to be up there for me, but I've kind of listened to them a lot less since they broke up. Um, the Wonder Years are probably the closest band that would challenge them, but I, it's it's harder for me to put them just because Saves the Day has a lot more albums. Although the Wonder Years do have a very very solid discography especially with their new album at this point and then um that's that's kind of it that's kind of like my big three i guess um i guess you could jokingly put carly ray jepson up there but really it's only emotion that is the record that i go crazy for so i don't think she's quite there yet maybe if she puts out another record that's as good as emotion I think the B-Sides happens. was decent. <laughs> B-Sides solid, but just in terms of dis- discographies, you can't. I, I, I don't think it's fair to these bands to put her up there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that saves the day. That's that's the, the them's my dudes. That's, Chris is a great podcast guest. If you can ever get him or if you anyone out there wants to seek out his episodes of other podcasts, he's just a really huge stoner guru type who has really achieved peace and you can really feel it in the way he talks now i don't know if they'll make another record i hope they do because i really love seeing them and just seeing them play they're not like crazy crazy fun live acts to see they're not super high energy but um when you can put together set lists like they can it's just you got to do it Yeah, definitely. So I will be happy to inform you that I did already go and add the Bug Sessions EPs on Apple Music. So I have those set and ready to go here. Great. Sorry, I should have told you about those. Yeah, I hope that you like them. Totally fine. I probably could have done my homework a little more before (laughs) recording this, but it did not happen that way. So it'll give me something to look forward to now. And Mitchell, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Saves the Day. I will definitely (laughs) be having you back on for either movie or more music talk. I know we've done both movies and a Carly Rae Jepsen episode, so there is that. (laughs) Yeah, anyone who wants to go back and listen to the Carly Rae Jepsen episode, feel free to do that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, enjoy the bug sessions. uh, Listen to Saves the Day. Watch Atlanta and Legion and Barry on TV. Watch Infinity War again, I guess. I don't know. Do I do plugs? I don't know. I'm plugging all (laughs) things that I'm not affiliated with. I don't do anything. What's what's happening? Uh, Make me stop talking. On that note, to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.